0: a empty religious system which could be organized religion or disorganized religion but an empty religious system does not satisfy the longings of a soul the messiah came into the world as an interpersonal god the name emmanuel which is one of the names of jesus emmanuel means god with us okay so god didn't send a text he didn't send an email he sent his son and he sent his son to build community and one of the desperate needs we have is community
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn and grow in your faith. Your journey of faith is something you're on, whether you admit it or not, and you're either growing or shrinking in your faith on a daily basis, but we want to be part of your spiritual growth by encouraging you, challenging you, and occasionally entertaining you a little bit here on the Salty Pastor Podcast, because what you believe is one of the most important things about you. My name is Jess Mayer. I'll be your host, but we cannot do the Salty Pastor Podcast without one of our favorite Salty Pastors. Pastor Harvey Friesen.
0: All right. Glad to be a little salty. I know I was salty on Tuesday a, a little, little bit, bit, but that's good. But that's what we're talking about. I mean, we're talking about real things. And I know that we talked a lot about the, the, the notion of organized versus organized religion. And what we really talked about was the notion that we would be in right relationship with others and we'd have healthy, right relationship with God, right relationship with each other. So we, anyway, we'll come back and try to be a little salty
1: again today. Yeah, so we we dove into those ideas of um, organized religion and how Jesus actually came to kind of up th- you know, overthrow that notion of everything has to be done a certain way, certain things. He said, you know what, I'm going to do things differently. And God has a better plan for how we can be in communion together. And so he kind of upped, overturned the table on it and flipped it. Well, yeah.
0: right? well, and he did it in a big way because, I mean, as Pastor Doug's preached, I mean, the, the, the Messiah is, every culture has a Messiah picture or scenario, right? Right. Everybody's looking for something to save us, save our society, save us from ourselves, all those kinds of things. Well, Jesus comes along and he's actually the Messiah. He is the savior. And what he does with the resurrection, this was Sunday, Easter Sunday was with the resurrection. He declares his actions, declare him the Lord of the universe. He is the Mm -hmm. Lord overall. So we have Jesus Christ, savior and Jesus Christ, the Lord. So we, we, we did that now. So, we talked about the power of Jesus, the power of the resurrection. And now we're talking about the power of the church. And one of the reasons why we talked about organized religion versus. Uh, unorganized religion, or maybe disorganized religion. One
1: of religion. Doug's favorite favorite jokes is, you know, there's a lot of organized religion, but we're a disorganized religion. E- exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. Totally. But but here's the thing: when you know there used to be an old phrase, "Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater." In other words, everybody wants. Some people just want change, and they don't care what it what it destroys. And obviously, this, this podcast is focused a lot on deconstructionism and how there's deconstructionism going throughout the society. Mm. And the question that everybody's still asking is. Okay, you blow that up. What are you going to build? Right. And and there were there there have through history, generally speaking, been after there was destruction, there were rebuilders or mm-hmm. there were builders, and there were new things being built. And that has happened in our society. But I, you know, I was born in 1966, so 56 years ago, going off 57 years this year. And the world has surely shifted a lot in that 56, uh, 56, 57 years. A lot of things have changed. But one of the things that I've seen that has changed fundamentally is the notion of local community. Mm. Everyone talks about community. Everybody talks about, well, what community I'm part of. But what we've done is is that the Internet's kind of cool about this, but it's all it's, it's a two-edged sword. It's kind of cool, and that is I can find people that love the same exact hobbies when I like them, how I like them, where I like them. I can go find them. There's a group for that, right? right. I mean, that, that's kind of the line. There's a group for that. Facebook would love for you to believe that there's a group for everything. The problem is, is that the glue is not interpersonal that holds them together. The glue is technological that holds them together. And, and like it or not, these things are wonderful as it relates to productivity, they really do grease the skids of, uh, I can be texting back and forth with 35 people, what we're going to do for our devotional tomorrow morning on uh, WhatsApp. That's a really cool, easy application of all that rather than having to go around all 35 of those people and talk with them about it. Right. But it can't replace the actual interaction. Mm. And where we're at right now is, is that we actually... And, and I've got a 27-year-old son all the way down to a 15-year-old daughter. And where we're at right now, even watching in those 12 years of parenting shift, is technology is is becoming ever more pervasive into almost every component of the 15-year-old's life. And I'm not talking about my daughter spe- with specificity. I'm talking about with her generation right. in specificity. And and But the problem is... Is that the human soul? Just because it connects to someone else doesn't mean it's connected to someone mm. else. See the difference? Yes, very so much. Enormous difference. I, I give you a line with my kids. I'm not sending you to school or off to college to get a degree. I'm sending you there to get an education. Mm. And I'm sending you there for sociological purposes so you can learn to to migrate from a child world to an adult world with the values that we've been teaching. Another big shift that's happened that I think is is important and and, and it affects this verse because we're in Acts chapter two. Let, let let's give you a little bit of verse background for a second. Is is the verse background is Acts chapter two, you have this this organized religion called Judaism that's waiting on a sa- savior. They're so organized that when the savior comes, they don't even know he showed up. Mm. I mean, that's like, right. When the organization owns the, the, when the, the actual organizational construct becomes bigger than why it's actually exists, it needs some overhaul.
1: Yeah, right. There's, and we see that a lot today where, the, the process overcomes the mission, right? Like you forget what the purpose you had originally is and it gets so dialed down in plans or details or processes or whatever, um, that you forget what the point is.
0: Well, you lose the forest for the trees, right? Right. I mean, you, you, you confuse the means with the ends, right? Mm. What we're doing this for, why again, and, and, and there's a few things that have happened to kind of make that happen one of those things is is that we have gone from a family centered environment at least in this country and here's what you should hear this this salty pastor goes out from Boise Idaho and obviously somebody in Jakarta Indonesia could listen to it tomorrow but one of the things is Is that America is the sociological petri dish of the world at this moment, Mm. right? Everything being tried on humanity is being tried right here. uh, Because why? All the tech giants come out of here, and everything coming out of Silicon Valley is trying to reshape the world, and they are actually reshaping the world. The question is is it for the better? Did social media actually make us closer, or did it make us realize why we like each other less than we (laughs) used to, right? I mean, again, questions for someone else to maybe ponder but so let let, let's go into these verses for a second so jesus comes into this world and and a empty religious system which could be organized religion or disorganized religion but an empty religious system does not satisfy the longings of a soul The Messiah came into the world as an interpersonal God, the name Emmanuel, which is one of the names of Jesus. Emmanuel means God with us. Okay. So God didn't send a text. He didn't send an email. He sent his son and he sent his son to build community. And one of the desperate needs we have is community. We we have the ability, these things, if nothing else, these devices allow us to be more disconnected than ever, but to think we are connected. Mm. Right. I mean, like when I'm traveling in the middle East or whatever, my kid doesn't know if I'm texting them from, uh, uh, somewhere in, in Israel, or if I'm, you know, over at the office texting them saying, Hey, I'll pick you up from work today right. or from school today, uh, it, we have built a. A notion that we can use these things and they are purposeful. The, 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 the idea I'm trying to follow, and I don't know if I'm staying with you guys out there, or if you're sorry, if you're able to stay with me, cause I don't even know where I'm going right now, but <laughs> I, I mean, I do, but I don't is, is when the system overrides the soul, it breaks and it's not the system that breaks, it's the soul that breaks. That's the crux of organized religion. When the system of organized religion begins to crush the soul of its adherents, what happens is people go, why are we doing this? Mm. And if you really think about it, the one thing that has lost the most influence in the United States over the last 50 years is organized religion mainline denominational churches are dying in droves. They're dying in droves. What's interesting is they've become more real estate magnets than religious magnets Mm. because why they own all the best corners in all the cities go downtown Boise. Go downtown Boise, and right there by the state capitol, what do you have? You have all these mainline denominational churches, right? right? And w- what have they done? The, to, they they are down there, and they have become the, the, the silver-haired crowd, right? They're all the old silver-haired crowd. And what's happening is they're trying to figure out how they keep the doors open. So what they've done in that is they began to give away the gospel. They've given away the gospel around moral truth. They've given away the gospel around the notion of that I actually need a savior. I, yeah, the song Amazing Grace, I don't know if you, uh, I, I remember the first time I heard this, I was at a funeral in Boulder, Colorado, and I'm listening to this, to, to, we are singing the song Amazing Grace, and they changed the words from, as I think Doug said, it, from Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. They changed the song to say that saved a soul like mine. And you go, wow, that's so interesting is because a soul like mine didn't need saving from sin. It needed saving from mean people, Mm -hmm. mean organizations, mean churches, mean, all this kind of stuff. And so what happened was, is that it became this massive shift that changed, and the, the mainline denominational churches are dying. So what they've done is they've said, well, to keep people, we've, we've got to be more culturally relevant. So they're giving away the gospel to stay open.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing this, this idea of keeping the doors open is more important than keeping the truth. Right. Or uh, keeping, keeping hold of what we're doing. And we saw that in Judaism too, which is, you know, they Uh, had these rules of, well, we need to stay in power. We need to keep doing this thing because if we don't, then we lose everything we think. We have right now, right, right, and right. So.
0: Well, and what and what, what we what that shows is is that fear is effective for a while, mm. but after a while, fear and guilt wear off, and people go, "What's the why? why we why do we even care about this?" I mean, think think this out for a second. I don't know. I i are we have leading people in the country that have so thrown away the biblical gospel, but they still cling on to those mainline denominational tags. Oh, well, I'm, I'm a Roman Catholic or I'm a Episcopalian or I'm a whatever and like that. And you go, well, I mean, you how do you put together the idea of I am tall and I'm short at the same time? Right. Right. We we have actually allowed that. And I think that term, the, the, the term according to Webster's Dictionary, the term of 2022 was gaslighting. Why was that the most, you know, uh, I mean, why was it the term of the year? Because what we've done is we've literally said to people, you can no longer trust what you see, you have to believe what we say. Mm. And that is a morally relative, moral moral relativism construct. And that is the biggest voices now win. So what we do is we actually create monster conflict of people that are on the extremes that are yelling to the middle, you're all wrong and they're all going, Gee, uh, okay, and, and it used to be that families would be this wonderful stabilizing force. Well, the families are just coming apart. Right. I mean, they're just, they're just coming apart. And, and, and the society is not actually backing that up. Society is saying, yeah, okay. Uh, so a couple notes I wrote, religion driven by guilt doesn't have much influence on society anymore. and And that was exactly where Jesus was when he entered into the world, is that there was a religion driven by guilt. And the young people are the ones that go, I'm done with that. I mean, grandma, you can't guilt me anymore. I'm not coming because you say so and because my mom says so. By the way, when my mom, who goes with you is miserable. She doesn't tell you, she tells me. Right. So what happens is, is that it's the third generation that says, I'm done. I'm done with this. Yes. Right. So, but, but here's what does motivate. We all want, I don't care who you are. We all want to be loved and love is something that is traded interpersonally, not technologically. Mm. Love is love is still the most beautiful, wonderful, precious thing in the world. We have these things called precious metals, right? Palladium and gold and and copper and and silver and all these kinds of things. What what is the most precious thing traded among people today? It love is actually more valuable than ever. Right. But 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 here's the question. Everybody wants to say, well, what does love mean? And 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 so we don't where, where where did we learn some of that? Jesus himself showed us that love is sacrificial. Jesus himself showed us that love serves, doesn't just demand to be served. Jesus showed us that love is that he laid down his life for his friends. Love is these actions that are based upon your value to me matters. How do I communicate my your value of me technologically other than I give you a thumbs up? Well, how important is that to my social well-being? Go ahead.
1: Well, we see this as, as the society, because we have de-emphasized the values of the church and the church has become unrelevant, we are now seeing the culture define what love is, which is transactional, right? Totally. So, oh, I love that tweet, so you get a thumbs up. Right. But it's transactional, right? The next one you send out is, could make me mad, so then... I suddenly don't love you. Right. Or, you know, Instagram has taught us, you know, everything's transactional. They've redefined love to be sex. Right. So, which is transactional and power dynamics. Love doesn't even exist. It's just a power dynamic. I mean, there's, there's extreme feminists that say marriage is slavery because you are now stuck in this thing where all he's getting everything he wants and you're just there to do whatever. Right. And so they've redefined what love is. So then society as a whole doesn't even know what love is and how to demonstrate it because there's no objective truth like the gospel coming to say this is what love should really look yeah. like because the church has been removed and society has all actively ran away from it said well you've been in power too long or what you believe is wrong so don't listen to anything they they want to throw a baby out with bathwater you know right, right? does that make sense
0: oh well, absolutely but but so still now here here's an honest scenario that we have to talk about. And that is, is that we, as a people are not always loving. Mm. We're not always loving. Um, and, and one of the things that, that, that we also have to go back to in a definition of terms matters. When we go back to loving, here's what our culture said is if you love me, you'll go along with everything I want to do. Mm. Is, is that really loving? No. I mean, I, I don't think that's loving. That doesn't help a person that's caught up in addictions. It doesn't help a person who's self-destructive. It doesn't help a person that it, their life is unwinding and they need someone to come along and say, you, you really should stop doing that because you, You know, let me show you your cerebral stem is not fully developed. What what happens is when you get out to 35, 40, 45, 50, 55, 60, what happens is those behaviors you're doing now actually are going to pull your life apart, right? They're going to, they're going to deconstruct your life and you don't yet see it because there's a long game to that, which is why people don't necessarily have the capacity to hear that. Let's go back to the church for a second is loving is a choice and a decision. There are early things. There are things that the early church did that were loving, that held them together. Let me give you uh, uh, a, a few of the things that the Friesen family practices. We have at least two family meals in the evenings uh, during the week with our college student and our high school student and the whole family together and uncle Charlie and Charlie and the whole bit. And Miko, the dog is sitting in the <laughs> house and all those kinds of things. And then one of the other things that we do is we actually work to try to, in the people we're in discipleship relationship with is we, we, we work hard to try to build community with them, which is hard to do in a disconnected world. Right. We, we kind of live. You, you can almost say you live in Boise, Idaho, but you can almost say you kind of live wherever you want to live a lot of
1: times. I mean, now. that's exactly what the precedence of remote work has yeah. brought apart. You know, the right. COVID revealed that, oh, you can remote work from literally anywhere and do these things. But at the same time, you lose, we're, we're the most connected, quote unquote, we're, we're the All most right. able to connect ever. But we're also the most lonely. COVID revealed that, right? right.
0: Like- so, so let's take the work from a remote thing for a second. You can work anywhere you want to, and so if you do that, what you do is you tend to assimilate with places like Boise, Idaho, if you like the outdoors. So we live where we like to do things with other people who like to do the same things as us. Right. We used to be brought together around people that we love. And we do life together and we might go for a bike ride. We might, we might take our skis and go to Colorado and go skiing, but we still live in Texas and we might, you know, we might, we were still constructed that we live together, but now we've made our personal likes the determiner of where we are. And we are just further and further and further and further being disconnected. This is going on around the world, but it's really going on around uh, uh, in the United States, mm. and and so 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 let's go back to the church. What use is the church? Is there any benefit of the church? And and I think that there is. Listen to what the early church did. They were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. A church is a place where you can devote yourself to biblical truth, to biblically based friendships, and biblically based sacraments of praying and taking the communion of God. These are beautiful things that bring us together, right? So we're, we're, learning God's truth together. We are living in God's truth together. We are taking the communion of God, which means that we always constantly need forgiveness of God together. Right. And, and here's where that loving thing got kind of got messed up is the, the, the loving piece is if you love me, you'll let me do whatever I want to go do. And, and, and a biblical community comes back and says, but that, that violates biblical truth. And then people said, well, then I don't want to be with you. You're a hater. Well, no, we're actually loving you to say you're going to destroy your life. I mean, look at at, at all the people that are out there that have made some big decisions while they were young. And now in their 20s, they're reeling from the repercussion of all of that. Right. Right. So what did they do? Let me give you a few more things. They were having meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. One of the things that we work try, hard to try to do is create gatherings around meals with people in the body of Christ. Uh, and, and there are different gatherings of groups of people that do that. I have a group that meets at four o'clock on Wednesday afternoons and we get together and we eat a little bit of stuff together. We, uh, we talk, we experience life and friendship and building all this, there's all kinds of layers of groups and that, that is pervasive throughout the church and it actually builds the fabric of societal goodness Mm. we still need societal goodness and so the the if we can talk back to tuesday uh i know it's a couple days back but if we can go back to tuesday for a second is that is that when we reject organized religion what we shouldn't do is equate that with rejecting being together with other people
1: Mm.
0: we still need a key
1: distinction right
0: there's a very important distinction of that i reject organized religion but i get together with people every weekend in fellowship i have groups that i get together with throughout the week studying the bible devoted to the truth of god all those things together but i still reject organized religion what i'm saying is i reject the thought that i have to be religiously right for you i rejoice in the fact that I am made right. Now let's go back to pastor Doug's last two sermons. I am made right because of Jesus Christ on the cross, Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead. I am forgiven of my sins and I am taught a new way to live that brings blessing and goodness and love and and goodness with other people. Even our families of origin where we can struggle at times. The beautiful thing about the church is we can actually build a new family in the family of God. And that's a wonderful gift to the world. And, I tell you what, the people that I see doing that are really great. One of the struggles for a pastor, quite frankly, I mean, just speaking very candidly, is, is that we try to facilitate godly, biblical friendships, relationships, all those kinds of things, but there's still only so much of us. We're trying to create a friendship-building, fellowship-building community of God amongst lots of people, right? And, and the hard part is pastors only have... 168 hours like everybody else, right? Right. So there's only so many gatherings that we can be a part of. And and what you have to understand is, is that we're facilitating that for the body and we want that to happen. We're not paying playing favorites among certain groups of people because everybody wants friends, but sometimes when pastors have friends, some people see those as those are his favorites. Yeah. There's no favoritism. It's about we all want to have friends. We all want to have community. We all want to just have some place to just be. Be
1: known in... Pastors are people too. Yeah, hey, weird <laughs> enough, right? We're all trying to do
0: all that. But the, the early church was doing this, and this is why in your space of your life, what I'm really trying to come after and what I prepared for today was, is sociologically, I think we are just like back there with the early church in Acts chapter 2, and that is there was a rejection of hollowed-out legalistic modalities and what people really were dying for, literally dying for and wanting was a relationship with God built on truth and goodness, and it is interpersonal, not technological. Mm. That's so, so, so important. What, what, if I could go back to Jesus' time and even into our time, we could recognize this, is that when a person says they, 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 they don't like organized religion, what they're saying is, I reject the liturgical for the interpersonal. Mm. but you still have to embrace the interpersonal. That's why what happens is I've found a lot of times people go, well, I go up in the mountains and I'm by myself and I'm with God and I go, that's, that's really good. But you still need people. I mean, the worst thing we do for people in our culture, if you commit crimes is, is that it is not getting in the capital punishment argument here, but we isolate people for 23 hours a day in Florence, Colorado at a place called Supermax. And what they do is they literally say you are shunned for 23 hours of the day. Mm. and it's destructive. I mean, you, you people go crazy in that environment, right. right? Because we're saying, you have been so vile to us, we are just going to shun you to yourself. Right. Right? I mean, you, the old phrase, I don't know how much it gets used in your generation, Jesse, but the old phrase was, how do you live with yourself? Mm. And quite frankly, we are meant to live in community. And so the early church, what they did was they embraced community. And what Jesus did was he started the church through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit, hear me on this disorganized religion and organized religion and not wanting mainline and all that kind of stuff and guilt and fear and all like that. What Jesus did was he said, I'll put the Holy Spirit in each of you, which will guide you and lead you to be more loving and to be my people in the world. And then he says in in Sermon on the Mount, he comes in and he says, you'll know them by their fruit. Hmm. One of the things that we are speaking to have as a fruit of our lives is that we're building greater to greater degree every day more loving and meaningful and real relationships with god and with others that's what the church was doing and and so jesus started the church what do you do he poured out we talked about yesterday or on tuesday he poured out the holy spirit and they all went these people are drunk they're crazy they're whatever it's because (laughs) the organized religion couldn't control it right We're not here to try to control someone's faith. What we're trying to do is enable it, encourage it, empower it, build it. But you build it on the truth of the word of God and interpersonal relationships with other people in God, not technologically, just out there. Love all the online watching and do all of that. And we know it's a great feeling like that, but you still have to have people in meaningful ways in your life.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think the... Having the balance is the issue. We are prone as a society to swing one way or another, right? Yeah, and so that's it's absolutely. like understanding technology can be good, but if your entire life is based on technology and you have no interpersonal connections, you might as well just be, you know, a Borg or whatever, oh, totally. your, whatever pop culture reference you want to use. You might as well just.
0: Yeah, well, go. Yeah, totally. And and, and it's actually being proven out. Go Google the fr- the, the, this this list. Go Google this prescribed medication in the United States per capita and and Borgs are what they're run on systems. And what is one of the things that's going on is that all this stuff is being systematically prescribed into people's eyes so they can just cope. The goal of technology is to help you cope in a hard world. The goal of knowing Jesus is to help you thrive in a broken world. I mean, it's amazing how we've almost culturally given up on the concept of thriving. We've said thriving is I can buy whatever I want. I can eat whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. I'll look however I want and all that. And you go, you're not a cartoon character. Okay, number one, you can't have an anvil drop on your head and then you get up and run and start doing it again, right? It just doesn't work that way. So so kind of bringing it all together, what we're gonna do on Sunday is that we're gonna take the text of God and we're gonna pray uh, into it and we're gonna seek God's face to be able to go into the word of God and be able to say, The body of Christ is God's beautiful gift. It's called the church. She's imperfect. So a lot of you guys have heard me use the phrase, I love Jesus. I got a couple questions about his wife Okay, (laughs) The bride of Christ is the wife of Christ, right? The church. I love Jesus. I got a couple questions about his wife, but you know what? He loves her and he cares about her and he thinks she's beautiful and wonderful. And, and, and he's actually talking about me with my imperfections Mm. in the body of Christ in that one of the other reasons. And I want to say this, we'll talk about it a little bit on Sunday is that the church exists to exalt Jesus Christ as the Messiah. The world, Jesse, in this technological platform, what is the world doing? The world is purporting that we are coming up with the next app that's gonna save humanity. We're gonna come up with the next thing that's gonna save agriculture for the whole world and we're all gonna be great. We're gonna come up with cold fusion. All these saviors, the technology is saying, you don't need a savior, we'll be your savior. And the church exists. One of the reasons why it exists is to say that Jesus Christ is the savior of the world and he's waiting to build a relationship with you.
1: Powerful words, Pastor. Thank you so much for sharing all those thoughts with us. Yeah, pleasure. I'm excited to see where we go on Sunday as we gather together and the Spirit speaks into you and you speak to us and and guide us in what, what God's wanting to say to us. So thank you guys so much for joining us here on this episode of The Salty Pastor. We'll see you on Sunday here at Foothills Christian Church.